Welcome to the Serie A Show. And we are back. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the City uh, Show. Um, I, I think this is the first time where all three of us um, aren't exactly thrilled with the performances of our clubs <laughs> at the weekend. No. Uh, Can't say I'm too happy. Um, to be honest, I thought we should really just cancel. Yeah. <laughs> and we all lost. Yeah. So, could, just, could, just let, could just let Antonio Casano speak for the next hour. Mm. <laughs> Well, I, I figured just to we could put all of our issues in the back burner, and why not start with um, Juve Napoli, which was not short of drama at all. Just from that standpoint, what did you guys make of that? Because I have to be honest with you, I thought. I mean, if you want to just talk about a poorly officiated game from every point of view, uh, Mr. Rocky gave it to us. I mean, for me, I mean, I, the thing is, I, I think a lot of these things have to do with the fact that it's Rocky, it's the Serie A. Rocky, obviously, is, you know, we, we spoke about him last, I think it was a week before, the week before that, about his history and, and the history he has with Juventus. But I've got to be honest, I've spoken to four different referees from four different parts of the world who, who all are like registered, like who have been trained and, 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 and officiated at, rather, at a pretty high level and, and support any don't support any of those teams uh, that played yesterday and, and they all say that that the, the the sending off of Meret is nothing to discuss it is a sending off no discussion um, the handball I mean they both every single person every single one of them I spoke to said that given how the city are referees judge handball now uh, that's a penalty I mean if if, if uh, D'Ambrosio is a handball if uh, what happened to Sanchez in Fiorentina is a handball, Fernandez in, is, is a handball, that's also a handball. Uh, the only thing they thought was, uh, most of the referees I've spoken to, that what they thought was was, an, was, a, was a bad call was, you know, they, they agree with the Pjanic thing, they thought that was a straight red too. They were more uh, upset with, with Rocky's behavior of this hugging players when they're sent off and, and, and this kind of, and it's not the first time he did this. I remember in 2010, that infamous Derby, Milan Derby, when, you know, when he sent off two Inter players and he's basically consoling Marco Borriello, touching his cheeks and like talking to him like he's a long lost son or something. I mean, this is, this is how he behaves. He's a, he's a touchy feely character, Rocky. And, and he, and, and again, like you said last week, John, this league just can't stay out of their own way. It's, it's such, it's, it's not, the optics of this are not good when you have such a heated game and, and, and you have, you know, controversial issues. Um, for me, the mistakes he did for me, the, 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 the problem is that he wasn't consistent. I mean, the, the yellow, the first yellow card on Koulibaly was non-existent. Then Koulibaly should have at least had a yellow card when he attacks Dybala. Again, with this compensation and, you know, what I call the Italian okey-doke, make two wrongs, make one right. Um, so that's what, that's what, again, that, that's the, again, we're back at the heart of the issue here. Um, the compensation culture, at least that's, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, I, I tend to agree. I think, I think the, the sending off was correct. Um, that was my initial reaction that, um, okay, there was no contact, but we can't always be, um, 
I think people are looking for contact all the time and with with a a sending off and dangerous play it's not always about the contact um when you look at the rules it's it's about the intent and if you were going for that and to to me it it did look like a sending off again as Nima said with the handball uh, so many of those have been given for me none of them are a penalty none of them but Okay, if if one is, they all are. At least it's consistently bad. Um, but I, I think what in in general, what a fascinating game! Like uh, Juve in the first half <clears throat> seemed to be after their terrible, two terrible performances. They seem to be back looking confident. They seem to uh, really recover their stride. And I thought immense credit to them for um, pulling up their performance after it. Lots of uncharacteristic um, sort of turmoil there. Um, and then we had uh, both teams going down to 10 men and then it was all Napoli. I was absolutely convinced they were going to equalise because they, they just they just kept coming and coming forward. And um, I think it was unfortunate, obviously, that Insigne missed the penalty. But you could tell because he is that kind of character that uh, he's a homegrown player and he knows what it means um he was always going to miss that penalty because it almost meant too much to him i saw a stat that said uh, actually of seven penalties he's only missed two and both of those have been against juventus so that to me says Speaks it all but, volumes doesn't um, it yeah yeah but all in all a, a really entertaining and interesting game of football for me it was sorry good John I just got to say for me I was really impressed with how Juventus could be 2-0 up without really playing well and impressing uh, and being impressive at all uh, and then all of a sudden uh, you know you know it's, it's like it's like this this is this game is such a miniature Serie A isn't it in the sense that Juventus are even though they're in bad form, even though they're not playing well, when they stumble, when the other teams in this league just simply don't have what it takes to to capitalize uh, and put Juve under pressure, even when given the chance, um, and 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 that's why Juve are going to win eight, are going to win their eighth scudetto in a row. Yeah, and it, it's it's quite interesting because. Just a couple of, I mean, it wasn't too long ago that they were playing terrible in the Champions League. And they come back to the league, and despite playing really, really poorly, they still manage a result. And I don't know what you guys think about this, but what there has to be some sort of correlation between them walking through City A and them struggling in the Champions League. Do you believe in that, or is it just me? Because I, I truly think that. Yeah, that, I, let's I be, do. Yeah, I mean, we have to be honest here. I mean, they're getting um, six, seven, maybe eight big, big, big time matches in the league. And then they go out and struggle in Europe. And I, I think that's a problem. Um, frankly, I was hoping for yesterday. I wanted Napoli to win because, you know, I wanted to have Juve again, sort of have to grit their teeth a little more than what they had to. Yeah, I I think it's... Um... They 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 signed Ronaldo because they were so desperate to win the Champions League, um, but who would have thought that bringing him in and and raising their level yet again, uh, in terms of their squad of players, would mean that it was actually more difficult for them when it came to the Champions League because they they are getting away with murder in in the league. You know they still haven't lost. It's March, 
but they've been dreadful, absolutely dreadful. And um, how it must be so hard to to raise your game after that if you've not been given a test, and then you come up against a team like Atletico Madrid who come at you like a hundred miles an hour. You can't even blink because they're so. Um, they're so high tempo and they work so hard and you know I think that's why we saw the performance that we did against Atletico because they've, they've just been coasting and you know they all of a sudden they get this tough test and, and they're nowhere. For me it's also a little bit about how Allegri uh, throughout the years I mean this is his fifth season he's won four doubles in a row um, you know this season every season Juventus never start the league well they never start the season well. This season, they were coasting through August, September, October, and uh, you know it, it's 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 like it's like I said last week. It's 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 as if the season starts now for them, whilst it, it actually does start now. Now is when they need to be at their peak. Now is when they need to find their form, and they have absolutely no form. And I think a lot of it has to also do with that defense is so shaky. I think I think we can say that re-signing Bonucci, you know, this this tactic that they had of being good today and now uh, to win the Champions League, it's it's a gamble that simply hasn't paid off because Bonucci's best day, days as a central defender, in my opinion, are way behind him. Uh, and I and I think we've seen that Chiellini. No, I think Chiellini was fantastic. He's always good, um, he, but but it, it's just it's so weird to see that this season was the season where Juve were supposed to really come to their peak around this point. Now is the time where everything is supposed to just fly for them. And the game against Bologna and, and even against Napoli, where they did better than against Bologna. Um, at times, but against Bologna, when you were there, uh, uh, Chloe, they were unwatchable. It, it was painful mm-hmm. to watch. It, yeah, it was, it was dreadful. Unwatchable. Um, and I mean, but still, it, it's. I think it's more of a mental issue as well with them in the in the Champions League. I think this idea, this notion that they've lost seven finals in a row, this is really, you know, two of which have come in the past four years uh, alone. That that is a mental block that. I don't know, honestly, if uh, Max Allegri is the right person to take them past that hurdle. And I think as well, you know, um, it's it seems to be the first time where he's um, really sort of experienced some uh, turmoil. This period that he's going through, you know, he's shut his social media accounts and he's um, it seems like he's uh, all the body language and all the signs seem like he's retreating within himself because of this, you know, of what's going on with them. And the more he does that, the more kind of um, it reflects on the pitch because they are sort of contracting and they're not playing to their capabilities. Um, and going back to the Bonucci thing, I was I saw an interview um, with Benatia uh, earlier today that he was saying. Um, about you know he was he was told at the when Bonucci came back that they would still be playing time for him and you know all this um, you know he was given those assurances and then Bonucci came back and all of a sudden that wasn't the case and I think bringing Bonucci back like Nima said it was a gamble that didn't pay off he he wasn't the player that left Juve they perhaps thought that he would come back and he would suddenly transform back into the old Bonucci and he didn't and. As a result, they lost Benatia, who was um, good enough to play in the team. He, he, the current Benucci, you know, Benatia is better than, you know, I think there's no oh, doubt absolutely. about that. And then, 
Yeah, and then they've also lost um, Mattia Caldara as well in, in, in all of that. So they, they had someone who was good enough for now in um, Bonatia and good enough for the future in Caldara. And they've just let all that go for the sake of a Bonucci, you know, who is, who is not the man he used to be. And the irony being that the person who was against these win today, uh, this kind of win today, bringing bringing stars today to win Champions League this season strategy was Beppe Marotta, who's in a world of trouble at at Inter uh, since taking over there. Yeah, it is interesting. It's again, I, I feel like there is a correlation between their walk in the park in the league and their struggles in Europe and. Obviously, you guys mentioned when they brought in Ronaldo, I mean, it was a clear sign of what the objective was. Um, and yet, they're likely, I mean, I don't want to say that. They could obviously turn the tie around. What are you guys expecting? Do no. you think they can ultimately turn around? Because nope. I I nope. have serious, serious doubts. Any other team against the, except for Atletico Madrid, yes. But the way that they, they play so compact. I mean, if you talk about, you know, if Mourinho gets criticized for playing parking the bus football, then what can you say about uh, Simeone's 4-4-2 where he shrinks every millimeter in that midfield and, and, and goes on the counter? Sure, they have great passing and they're technical, but it's hardly tiki-taka football, if, we, if we're completely honest. Uh, Juve struggle with that. Um, and, and if we remember, you know... Atletico Madrid, um, towards the end, you know, they, they caused Real some troubles, obviously not in the Champions League, but in the uh, Copa, Copa del Rey, in, in the league, etc. I mean, that gap was closed closed off uh, by, by Atletico, uh, in the league at least, and the Copa del Rey. So I, I don't think so. I, I mean, sure, I mean, it's at the Juventus Stadium, uh, you know, if, if, if you have one of those... Allegri, if, if Allegri reads the game better than he, miles better than he did at the Wanda Metropolitano, then sure, uh, of course it's not over, but I just don't see how Juve are going to win 3-0 and not concede. Like, I just don't see No, that. I think I think it's, it seems very unlikely, but I think if we've learned anything from the past few years, it's never to think that Juve are dead and buried because I've I've made oh, that no. mistake before and you know <laughs> they you know they just they come back whenever you think that they can't. So I would never say they definitely can't come back, but like Nima says, I think it's it's possibly unlikely. And you know, although Allegri does seem to be struggling at the moment, like we mustn't forget that he is an exceptional coach. I, you know, I'm not sure whether he can now bring Juve the Champions League I think if he can't do it this year they definitely need a change but um yeah I I, I never would write them off just because <laughs> yeah no FC walking dead there's no there's yeah no about that. <laughs> Don't but who could you realistically I mean seriously who who could you realistically bring in for Allegri because I just think the list of candidates is just so mm. so small I think um, I'm, I'm gonna be honest here and I think now would be an ideal moment to bring uh, Antonio Conte back uh, because I think with you know now because for me there's only really two jobs he can take it's you know there's only like Inter him and Marotta, I think there's been, a, you know, they didn't exactly leave on good terms. Marotta's gone. Uh, Conte, Conte knows Juve. He has a, has, he, he, he knows how to get, he knows that club. Everyone will listen to him. Everyone will unite behind him. 
they all, they apparently don't have any problem spending a lot of money uh, now these days. So um, no, I I think um, I think I think in, in an ideal world, I think Antonio Conte would be would be brilliant for this team to to give it like this kind of rejuvenation after four years of Allegri, five years of Allegri that I think they need. Uh, but but other than that. Um, you know, your guess is as good as mine because they're. I mean, Mourinho would never go there. I mean, and they don't want. They don't even. <laughs> you get a good reception, uh, so, would he? <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> no, but he would never go, and they wouldn't want him. Um, so you know, so that's not going to happen. Who else would it be? I mean, you know, and personally, I'd I'd rather you know drink my own my own feces than have Allegri at Inter because that would be just a complete disaster. You know, it, it would just ex- that I that I have nightmares about this rumor that Allegri might go to Inter. Um, he he just he would never work at Inter. His 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 way of of uh, of, of of taking on the squad, uh, his way of communicating. Sure, him and Marotta get along well, but but who he wouldn't get along with anyone at, at that club. So no, I I agree with you. It's it's. I mean, aside from Conte, I don't right now today. I don't really see. I mean, they've, they've they've mentioned Zidane, haven't they? But I mean, who who? Yeah, yeah okay. He, he's won the Champions League three times in a row with Real Madrid. But who knows if he can do it outside of that? It's it's a little bit of a a risky a risky experiment, especially as they know they've after this year they've probably only got one more year of Pete Ronaldo to, to do it. So, you know, if they do make a change in the summer, they've absolutely got to get it right. Um and I, I think you're right about Conte. I think he could um galvanise them and get them going again. But I'm not sure whether he can pull off the Champions League. I think I don't know, maybe he has a bit of a ceiling and I you know he's so um, one-track-minded and so determined. I, I'm not sure whether he could he could pull that off. Um, what, do, what do you think, John? Well, I I think it's difficult. I, I Conte is one of the names that is most obvious in my opinion. I agree with you, Nima. But as Chloe just mentioned. If we look at his Champions League record, it is not good. I mean, even at Chelsea, not good at all. I mean, he got hammered by Roma, and even at Juve, he had problems. So he seems like one of those managers that is built for the marathon mm. uh, as opposed to the the short race that is the Champions League, the knockout competition. And I don't know. I, I just I'm always the believer of the adage, the grass is always greener. And I understand that fans, supporters, they will get annoyed by Allegri should they not win the Champions League. But I think once you're near the top of the mountain like they are, they're near the top, the, the, the list of viable candidates just grows smaller and smaller and smaller that you, there's, only, there's so few options that it almost becomes a detriment to you if it doesn't work, almost forcing you to keep on. Yeah, they they really kind of pushed into a corner with it, I think. I think Zidane is a good shot, actually, now that I think about it. Because uh, Conte, I mean, for me, it's either Real Madrid, Inter or, or Juve. I, I, you know, I think that's a good shot, Zidane, Zidane. But then again, as you said, it's a huge, huge game. Yeah, can he do it outside of Madrid? I mean, they were, they were built to win the Champions League, so I'm not... Exactly, they'd already won the Champions League. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from his achievement, but you know, um, I think it would certainly be more difficult with Juve having because they've not won it for so long. 
Um, I mean, mm. you know, they could go for somebody uh, like Pochettino, you know, somebody uh, a bit of a wild card. But again, are, are they going to gamble on on something like that that may or may not work? You know, he, he's, he's kind of a forward-thinking mm. um, coach, but, you know... <laughs> We have no idea if he can, if he can pull something like that off. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So I wanted to do Lazio Roma next, but I'm still triggered by the prospect of talking about that. So Nemo, we're gonna we're gonna we're going to force you to suffer. Um, we had another uh, we had another case of wonderful television brought to us by Antonio Cassano and Juan Renata. Jesus Christ! So I have to say, all of us were probably very upset with each of our respective clubs at the weekend. The only joy Nima that I received was watching Luca Pellegrini. Take Danilo D'Ambrosio and just sit him over his lap and just spank him constantly <laughs> like a child. Um, I, uh, wow. I, what, I don't even know. That was a very, very, very bizarre match because I, I thought uh, Cagliari were brilliant. I thought they were absolutely brilliant. How They were great. I don't want to take anything away from them, but if we're talking about poor refereeing, what are you going to say about what Luca Banti did in that game? How Chigarini was not sent off after 20 minutes is, is beyond me. You have a, you already have a yellow card, and then you do that, and you don't even get a talking to. I mean, it, it, it's just it's just this time and time over again, and this this incompetence and Inter being at the fragile mental state that they are. This gets you know this this becomes so much bigger at the club, and and it, you know I wouldn't be worried if if players like Skriniar, De Frey were were continuously stable, but when you can see that they are shaken, you know this is the first time for both of these guys since coming to Inter that they are visibly mentally shaken. This Sicardi situation has shaken this team to its core, um, and it's shaken the club to its core, um, and they need to sort that out. And obviously, him go Icardi going out and putting up that the most <laughs> childish uh, letter. Me, 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 and me, and me, and me, and me, and me. That's basically what that was on Instagram, where he was basically bellyaching about how the world is such a horrible place for him, and how everything is so, but everyone is so mean to him. And it's like, what, what are you trying to prove? And then, and then you have Antonio Cassano basically telling Wanda off on on Tiki Taka, this disgusting, this horrible TV show where she says that, you know, you can't go out and say the things that you do, and that's the reason why this mess has happened. And she clearly shows that she's an idiot when, when she in her response. when she You can see in her eyes that she does not even comprehend that as his agent she cannot say certain things. I mean, her, her reaction is, I, I mean, I don't play for Inter. I, I'm outside of the dressing room. I, well, I'm just saying my opinion. What's wrong with that? which has got to be the dumbest thing anyone has said in Calcio for a very, very long time. Um, it's just, you know, Inter are in a really, really bad place right now. Um, with the derby coming up, I mean, as I texted you guys and, and you, John, don't be upset because I'm going to, you know, we Inter fans are going to have our ass handed back to us from Christoph Piontek in two weeks' time because this, this Milan in harmony and this Inter in complete disarray I, you know, I, I'm dreading a, a complete blowout win for Milan because Inter are really, really mentally not there. Um, and, 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 I, and I think the game against Cagliari showed that. Uh, you know, when they play a team that's fired up, right now this team is weak mentally and they're, they're drained. They don't seem to have something to fall back on. 
um, and 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 Spalletti, I I gotta say, I I I've been kind of on the on the on the fence of uh, you know will he stay should he stay and it is clear that he will you know I I can't the way I reinterpret the signs there is no way that Spalletti stays beyond this summer um, even if he gets them to a to a Champions League third spot even if he gets them to a quarter final semi final or even a Europa League title he's out of there I mean the, the, it, it it's quite evident to see that. This club, um, uh, the, 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 that they need, they need to clear out. I think in the summer is going to be a big clear out. I think Marotta is going to put his stamp. Spalletti is going to leave. I think Perisic and Icardi are definitely going to leave. Then, then we'll see who'll take over. And my money right now is is on Mourinho. That would be interesting. Just when you just when you thought the drama was over. <laughs> oh no! This is the Serie A. I mean, this is what we say day in and day out. I mean, even if the football is not so entertaining at times, uh, which can't be said of the case since we started this podcast, it's been mayhem every single week. Um, even when the football, those few times uh, this season when the football hasn't been so great, the drama and, and, the, and the the soap opera surrounding this league is, you know, it, it, it keeps you entertained. I mean, just think about it. Next season. Conte at Juve, Mourinho at Inter, Sarri at Roma. <laughs> Let's pop the popcorn already. So before we get into more of the drama, I just have to say um, he is one of the most underappreciated strikers, I think. Pavoletti, that goal was absolutely sensational. And you want to talk about like the least... Uh, modern day striker there is in the world yet is still semi-effective it is him <laughs> because he does he if you want to talk about an old classic number nine that is him in every way shape yeah. and form viper isn't he like a little fo- a classic fox in the box you know give him an inch and he'll just take it and and it's so interesting to see um i mean that finish uh you know that early cross from serna and then his his timing to run to that ball and then just whack it with everything he's got and and before i think you know before half a second has even gone it's in the back of the net there's no you can't save you know um, you can't save uh, shots like that. And even if you could, Handanovic is not the guy to do it. His his reactions, I think that's also another position Inter need to revisit in the summer because this guy's reaction is not what it used to be. It, it, it's, looking, it's looking slow. It's looking really slow. It, it's looking like, you know, like when your grandmother stands up really slowly. Like, it's, <laughs> it's got those vibes to it right now. Grandpa <laughs> and Handanovic. I've always been a... Yeah, Grandpa Handanovic. And, and I've always been on his side, but it is, you know, I mean, I don't mind having him as a second choice keeper, but at all, that's that's a good keeper to have. Like Toldo, you know, there is that precedent at Inter for it. But um, I, I don't see, like, you're seeing things that you never used to see before. And I've always been on his side and I've always thought that, you know, people exaggerate. Um, but but it's it's his best years are behind. Him. Uh, all right. Well, that's a good segue then. I'd Okay, let me muster this up. So, <laughs> let's talk about goalkeepers yeah, and Rome. So, Swedish goalkeepers so and let's Rome. Let's talk about goalkeepers and Roma. Um, okay, Robin Olsen, <laughs> when you arrived, I, 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 I defended you to the death. To to my, ugh, I, I, I can't even muster up the words. So, 
Robin Olsen is not good. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it took I, now, I, Mima, I, you, you can obviously speak to this. So it, I, I became very depressed because we we uh, over at my website, we, we interviewed the agent of Alessio Cragno of Cagliari. And if you want to talk about up and coming shot stoppers, who I think oh, has, he's fantastic, he's Absolutely incredible. Fantastic. I think he has every tool in the box that that can make him a top, top goalkeeper. And then I had to go watch Robin Olsen. Just I, I don't even know what that was. Um, <laughs> the guy when, when he when he dives, it, it almost looks like someone snipes him from the stands, and he just falls. He doesn't even <laughs> he doesn't even dive. He just collapses like a building. And but I just don't understand how. Like I mean, I as I tweeted it out, I I have really not. I can't remember the last time I saw a goal a goalkeeper so consistently out of his depth over a season as Robin Olsen has been at, 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 at Roma. And, and it's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, he, he runs out when he shouldn't run out. He stays in the goal um, when he really should be running out. That, that whole situation for the penalty, he should have run out. I mean, you know, Correa was almost in the goal by the time he was fouled um, for the penalty. And, and Robin Olsen was standing on his line. And then you have the third goal, that's also something else. How can you not keep that shot out? It's as if, you know, we're talking basics in goalkeeping now, pushing the shot out. It's like his hands are, like, he can't calibrate his hands to push the shot out. And he's, he, he gives it a push in. And it just it just looks so, so weird. This he had is, one uh, against Frozenone where he got both gloves oh on my it. And God. it goes in. It's, it, I have never seen a goalkeeper save the ball yet still concede. It's... The most bizarre. <laughs> I, I, his hands are made of jelly. Or something. Yeah, it's it, it, he's got no bones in his fingers. But, but that's the weird part, and I think this has got to do with the fact that Monchi signed a good goalkeeper in his mind, but with a good goalkeeper that has never ever played with a defense that is so high up as Roma, and it's a new culture, it's a new league, it's a new it's a new country. He comes from the Danish league to the Serie A. And then all of us, he's playing for a team that's supposed to be in the top four and go to the quarterfinals, semifinals of the Champions League, replacing maybe the best goalkeeper in the world in Alisson Becker. I mean, of all the poor scouting efforts, this is this is Marco Branca poor scouting. I mean, this is this is this is really really poor by Monchi. You you cannot you know you cannot fail in such a important imperative position such as the goalkeeping line because. That Roma defense is shocking enough as it is. I mean, Fazzi or Juan, Santon, you know, it's it's basically all you want to hear is that, you know, circus Benny Hill music when you just mention their name. <laughs> you know? so, so you need to have a goalkeeper that can give that, you know, that can give that security. Robin Olsen is not that guy. He really isn't. And I, I just can't see how how he will stay beyond next beyond like him and Monchi they're they're gone this summer like i just can't see roma together with dj di francesco i think um you know with john saying that he defended him at first i think you know obviously when roma sold alison it, it was a kind of a case of okay they've got this guy like i didn't know much about him um as many people didn't and you know, you think, oh well, it's okay, it's Monchi. This is what he does. You know, he sells people for a lot of money, and and he buys people in cheap, and they turn out to be brilliant, and and that's fine. And you don't really, you know, bat an eyelid, but or I didn't at least. And then he starts to play, and you're like, oh okay, well, 
you know, it, it just, I, I think the faith in what Monty had done before kind of gave him a bit of a leeway and he's just kind of gone out of control with it somehow. Well, he's failed. He's failed. Yeah. Except for Zaniolo, it's been a gigantic failure. Yeah, I mean, this past summer, looking back on it, I mean, Javier Pastore, I mean... What happened there? That I is, mean, I... Um, first he's off, constantly I, injured, or what's yeah, going on there? I, I think the biggest mistake was bringing him in with the thought that he could be a Mazzala. I mean, he is not a But Metzala. he's never played as a Mazzala. He has never played there. Um he is not a runner. I, I think if you could find 10 adjectives to describe Pastore, <laughs> that wouldn't make the top 500. And my goodness, I, I think that was the first mistake, bringing him in to play in a 4-3-3. I think paying him, he's the second highest earner at Roma oh, behind Dzeko. Um, wow, another huge mistake. And... Again, they brought in guys like Cristante. They had Lorenzo Pellegrini. It was just a position that they didn't necessarily need. I think the midfield needed a revamp, but I don't think it needed a Javier Pastore. Uh, the biggest regret is, frankly, they had Ajax midfielder Zayek in the bag. In the bag. And they didn't, they didn't finish the deal. They, they let it go awry. They let it expire, so to speak. And now anybody who watches, who's watched Zayek this season, he's oh, been no. sensational. And it has been just depressing. And, Nima, you mentioned the defense. I, you know, I can, I can make fun of Javier Pastore all I want. It's very easy. But this defense is, I mean, if, if Juan Jesus is the answer, you're, you're asking, asking the wrong question. The wrong question. <laughs> and... <laughs> Listen, I've I, I make fun of him a lot. Fazio is a finished player, but the one for me, Florenzi. I, I just. <sighs> but the thing is that with Florenzi is, I mean, he he does. I mean, he's not a fullback. Let's be honest. I think it's clear to say that he shouldn't play in that position, uh, and he's been he's been playing there as a makeshift. Uh, I think I I do think he's a good player. I I think maybe in a midfield role, central midfield role, as a mezzala, perhaps is where he should play. But 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 as a fullback, the guy doesn't know what positioning is. I mean, on the wing, I mean, he he clearly doesn't know what he's doing. It's like, uh, you know, it's 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 at times it gets a bit embarrassing because you you think this is a professional footballer. I mean, you look at someone like Zaniolo who can play every single midfield position and now is even helping out on the wing and doing a damn good job. And then you have a player like Florenzi, who's a national team player. And he, 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 his, his positioning and his defending is, it, to call it atrocious would be a compliment. It, it's, it's, it's unwatchable. It's really, really painful to watch. Um, and then you have a, you know, this against the Lazio team. And I got to say, I am so impressed by Simone Inzaghi. You know, we've made fun of his whinging in this past, you know, these past few episodes. But the way Lazio and the way uh, Simone Inzaghi, uh, the way he approached this game, the way, how solid they were defensively, how solid they were and cohesive they were as a unit, the the way they tactically just completely outplayed, how he outplayed Di Francesco, um, that that really impressed yeah, I was, me. I, I was I stunned not, that he pulled that off, to be honest. I was stunned. Yeah, I, did, yeah. I didn't think he had it I, in. I did not see that. No, neither did I. And I think that when we're talking about Juventus, I mean, I... 
I think that that, that is the next Juve coach, Simone Inzaghi. I mean, if he can maintain, if he can maintain and show that he can he can build defensively solidity, the defensive solidity like that, I think he would be an ideal uh, coach for 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 Juventus. Are you sure you're not just making that statement as a, an Inter fan, not wanting them to do well? <laughs> no, <laughs> sure no, 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 no. No, 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 honestly, honestly, like, because, because I, I, I have been a fan of Inzaghi's coaching and the results he's gotten. My only criticism towards him through throughout these past few years has been that the defense has been open doors, but now this season, when it hasn't been clicking offensively, they they look so much more solid uh, in the back, and and against Roma they were fantastic. Yeah, I mean, they were. Bastos was was. Bastos was perhaps the man of the match. I mean, what a performance. And I did not see him give... I mean, if we're talking about not having it in him, I did not see Bastos ever giving a performance like that in any game, let alone a Rome derby against a Roma team who, attacking-wise, were really, really strong. Um, so, no, I, I was really, really, really impressed. But i got to say, did you see... Uh, I don't know if, you, John, you were probably so upset that you probably missed it because that's the kind of thing you, you notice when you're when you're neutral. But did you see when they, when when Lazio scored the first goal and Simone Inzaghi didn't even celebrate, but he turns to the bar, uh, turns to the fourth official and goes, is it good? Is it good? Is it good? Bar <laughs> obsession. Uh, I mean, like, that guy is so obsessed with the VAR, it's 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 really co- comedy. I mean, you're saying Spalletti watch. I was on Inzaghi yeah. watch this game. It was, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. Well, and and now Lazio still have a match in hand, and should they win that, yeah. I mean, they will be right there in the thick of it. The past couple of of uh, episodes, we've been really saying it's down to Inter, uh, Roma, and Milan. But I mean, should Lazio win uh, win their match in hand? They'll be level on points with the Roma. They'll be three behind Inter, and they'll be because yeah, and then they'll be four behind Milan. So now it's become a race for two club, or it's become a four club race for two places and and two cities. Yeah, yeah. that's yes. the interesting part. Yes. Think, you know, as as a as a week goes by, that it, it says a lot for how exciting, apart from obviously the top place, but how exciting this league is that. Um, you know, we're we're talking about different teams reaching the Champions League every week because it, the it, positions are changing so much, and you know it's it, it's it's really fascinating to to see it all play out really, and and how how quickly, uh, you know, one team slips up and another team straight away is taking advantage of it. So it's it's really tough to call at the moment. Yeah, and I and sorry, sorry, no, sorry one no. of the I mean, one of the clubs, frankly, we're not talking about and they're I mean they're only three points behind as well and Chloe I, I don't want to bring this up now for you but uh, <laughs> I know Atalanta I, I mean what a what a performance by them I mean you want to talk about high flying that was they wow. were they were amazing I have to say I hold my hands up they were amazing um I think it didn't help that again um they the the absence of a, a credible Fiorentina midfield um, just allowed them to just waltz straight through, just as they did in the cup match uh, when they got those two early goals. Um, you know, uh, uh, again, two of the three goals were 
caused by long runs when they were not picked up by anyone. Uh, and then they're putting that defence, which is already a bit shaky, um, under pressure because there's just there's just huge holes in the midfield and Pioli still hasn't got it sorted. Um, but, you know, that's not to take anything away from Atalanta. The way that they play and the way that they're ready to take advantage of that is phenomenal. And, um, you know, I, I just really admire the way that they just go all out to attack. When when Gasparini's football works, it is an absolute joy to watch. Um, it's a bit like Sarri, isn't it? And you know, no 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 uh, um, comparisons between how they play at all. But I mean, when they 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 really are two coaches that either it works or it looks atrocious. Either it's Chelsea under Sarri under Chelsea under Sarri or it's Napoli under Sarri. Either it's Inter under Gasperini or it's the Genoa under Gasperini or the Atalanta under Gasperini. It's it really is. These they they don't have any like they they have to get that to work. One hundred. It's it's one hundred percent or nothing. It really is either or with them. There's no getting it to work to sixty percent. It's it's either one hundred yeah. or nothing with them. And and it's so interesting to see. I mean, some of those goals they scored against Fiorentina were. I mean, that is just football propaganda at times. Uh, <laughs> but as I said before. The Pioli high is short and sweet. And yeah. when it when it comes crashing down, it comes like a ton of bricks. Um, that man, I I don't understand how you could drive a lorry through Fiorentina's midfield against Atalanta. The holes in that defense in midfield, it was as if Fiorentina were playing with nine men yeah. at times. And 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 that is just simply down to him. It's been it's been the midfield. You know, uh, a lot of people sort of point to the defense, but the midfield has been a problem um, ever since the beginning of the season. That he's failed to get it right, even though he's got the right players in the squad to be able to um, formulate a credible midfield. He's just not done it and he's just making the same mistakes again and again. And and I just don't understand um, why he can't see that um, and why he's not rectified it. You know, again, I absolutely love Pioli. I, as, as a man, like in a lot of ways, I really hope he stays. But, you know, they, they can't keep playing like that. It's just it's ludicrous the way that teams are just walking straight through. I mean, we're... Like like Nima says, it looks like they have nine men. Well, where where are these players if they're not in the middle of the pitch? What, <laughs> what, what are they doing? No, I I know you can't stand uh, the other Baldi, <laughs> but I honestly think, but I honestly think that he would he, he would sort that out if Fiorentina. I think Fiorentina under Spalletti would be really really dangerous. I mean that. That attack, if, if Fiorentina can keep Muriel, Simeone uh, and Chiesa uh, for next season and Brian Dabo and, and all, and in, you know, the Benassis and all that, I really think that Spalletti could work wonders with Fiorentina. I honestly Well, know. if we could have... I know you hate let's, it. Let's, let's <laughs> have... Um, let's keep Pioli's personality and <laughs> we'll take some of Spalletti's kind of tactics even though I'm not yeah. 100% convinced about him I think you know I think if we're talking about getting into the Champions League and winning the league maybe Spalletti's not your man but he could probably maybe do a little bit more than than what Pioli's doing at the moment but you know I, I just don't think I could bear it I just don't think I could bear it <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the defeats yeah. so just leave Pioli where he is <laughs> 
And Nima, you you just mentioned Gasparini, and within the last few hours, he has actually been linked to Roma. So oh, I wanted. God. I I think you I think you mentioned this in in one of the earlier episodes, but what went wrong with him at Inter? Everything. <laughs> he joined a side that not too long before had obviously won the treble. Everybody knows the type of football that he plays. I mean, it's the same thing no matter where he goes. Where you have managers who adapt uh, their system to the players, it is not the case with him. Uh, it doesn't matter if you were playing a 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, whatever. You're playing three at the back whether you like it or not. Do you think it was strictly the system, or what What went wrong? Because you, you mentioned everything, but... Everything. No, no, seriously, everything. It was, it, was, uh, it was a squad that was completely poorly constructed. They just brought in Diego Forlan to replace Samuel Eto'o. I mean, just that says it really all. <laughs> they, <laughs> Diego Forlan had his peak three years earlier. Um, you had, you had, you had, you had, you, they had a three man, they, they played a three, three man defense, which just simply none of the players bought into. Um, it was, you know, and I, I mean, I don't, I'm not, anyone who's ever followed me and knows me knows that I'm not the biggest fan of the Curva Nord, Inter's Curva Nord, but they had, I remember them in the beginning of the season, putting up a, putting up a, a, a very crude banner about Gasperini towards Moratti, saying, President Moratti, you know, getting Gasperini as a coach and asking him not to play with a three-man defense is like going to a prostitute and asking for milk and cookies, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is really disgusting. But the point which, but the point they're saying is pretty much, basically, look, you, you can't bring him... Um, you know, you, you can't have Gasparini and not play, let him play with a three-man defense. Just simply, How yeah. many matches did he last? Was it like six, three or four? Four or five, something like that. He lost the Super Oh, Copa. my gosh. I mean, it all came crashing down against Novara uh, when Cambiasso goes onto the pitch and takes over the role as the, as the coach and says to everybody, after the 3-0 three, three down, we're playing with a back four. I mean, that, that's when you know it's over. Like that, you know, it's over. When Cambiasso takes it upon himself as the captain, you know, as as the leader of that squad, then like, dude, you're out of here. You know, it was it was over by then. It was over then. Um, and then they go for, and that was so typical of Moratti to, you know, go from Gasparini to Claudio Ranieri, and then from Ranieri to Stramaccioni, who was barely a coach. I mean, it was it was that. I mean, it was just it was just jumping around. It was basically like a, you know, just just a three year old go loose with a with a with a with a crayon on a white piece of paper, you're jumping around. <laughs> just well, no and before Gasparini, it was uh, Leonardo, no? Yeah, Leonardo, I mean, he was, what he did uh, after Benitez was basically lift the confidence of that team and playing his Quattro Due Fantasia, which which was basically his, his, his brilliant tactical notion that if you play, if you're always attacking with four players, the opposition won't, won't ever will be so will struggle to attack you or they will just pass the ball past you and you lose 2-5 against Schalke no fear at home at the, in the Champions League and you get hammered in the Milan derby 3-0 after 20 minutes uh you know against Allegri so you know that was I mean but he did the best he could I mean he got Inter winning so many matches in a row Inter won the Coppa Italia they finished second you know the the disaster was to appoint Benitez. It's like that, that was so class. That was so typical of Moratti, wasn't it? It was he always did it right. He always kind of got it right towards the end. 
I just wish you would have gotten it right from the beginning. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna have, you know, if you're gonna have, uh, you know, they should have brought in Ranieri from the beginning. They shouldn't even have allowed uh, what's his name Gasparini anywhere near Inter. Uh, that was just a bad idea. Hmm. Well, um, you've quickly thrown cold water on the positive aspects I had of him potentially. <laughs> uh... <laughs> no, but the thing is, I think no, but seriously, I mean. At Roma is a different thing because you have a completely different squad. You, you have a, you know, I think a lot will change at Roma. I think at Inter it was it was a disaster. I mean, this was this was during the beginning of the financial fair play woes. Um, it was a, an owner who wanted to sell. You know, the, it was basically in the middle of, you know, every the the, the glory days were well and past Inter. Inter were on their way down and looking to, you know. Moratti was looking for anyone to take the club, basically, and that's why he, he got a person like Eric Tohir to even buy the club in the first place. But Roma, I think Gasparini at Roma is an intriguing is an intriguing possibility. Personally, I'd like him to stay at Atalanta because I think he I don't think he's got the big club mentality. I honestly don't think you know some players and some coaches don't make it at big clubs. Um, Gasparini cuts it cuts the mustard at, at Genoa and, and, and at Atalanta, but in Rome... No, you know, I, don't, I think yeah, you're right, Anima. Yeah. I think you're right. I don't, I, don't, I don't see that happening. By the way, John, we haven't um, discussed the elephant in the room of Paolo Souza. Ah, uh, well... <laughs> <laughs> that so, is so mean. <laughs> Funny, so but very let's, mean. Let's discuss what happened. So, I... Um, so, Roma's... Um, the 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 gentleman who manages their press for the club, we all bombard him, me and a lot of other journalists with websites, newspapers, yada, yada, yada. We bombard him after poor results <laughs> uh, just to essentially get dirt. And obviously being the professional he is, um, we all caught wind of a very, very long meeting after the derby that didn't involve <laughs> Di Francesco. Now, this is normal, but they met for like two hours, which is extremely unusual. And we asked him, um, we asked him what, you know, what's going on here? Is there going to be some news? And he says very diplomatically, well, it's very normal for the club's hierarchy to meet after such a result. Yeah, okay. But um, <laughs> after this meeting, it emerges from Sky Sport that – Di Francesco has to beat Porto or he's getting sacked. And then <laughs> simultaneously the news comes out that Paolo Souza is in talks with Bordeaux in Ligue And it, it seems like the timing of that was very interesting as if a come and get me Roma or else. Um, he keeps touting himself. He keeps putting himself forward for the Roma job. It's, and, lo, and, and oddly enough, guess who is going to be in attendance of Porto, Roma, and Portugal, it is going to be Paulo Souza himself. He is going to the match. Confirmed. Oh dear. Oh absolutely dear. confirmed. So if you want to talk about awkward. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> hey, Eusebio, just look up there. Wave to your uh, replacement. Uh, Chloe, I have to tell you, I'm absolutely terrified. Terrified. I you would rather. Be. I would. Um, <laughs> I've been trying to warn people on this. Uh, now that Ranieri got the sack from Fulham. I think it is a no-brainer to bring him in for these last four months. Absolutely. It makes every bit of sense in the world. He's the Romanista. He knows the environment. Chloe, I have to tell you, the, the prospect of Souza. 
Oh, gosh, honestly. You, you know, every time he's linked with a club, people are obviously talking about him on Twitter. And then uh, for, for some, at some point in the conversation, someone inevitably tags me in and says, what did you think of him at Fiorentina? And you look up at the conversation and people are like, yeah, he's really good, you know. He did really good things at Fiorentina. <laughs> and I'm like, are you crazy? No, he didn't. The thing was, the, the thing was, from... from um, I think as as we all three of us follow a particular club and watch them every single week, you know that there are people out there who have a casual interest in the league that don't see things the way that you see them because you're watching the matches every week. And you know, from the from that outsider's point of view, um, Fiorentina in the first six months under Paolo Sousa went to the top of Serie A for the first time since 1999. So, you know, that is seen as a, a huge achievement. And, you know, it was amazing. But what they didn't realise was that um, Vincenzo Montella, who came before Souza, had um, got Fiorentina to three fourth-place finishes in a row. He'd got them to Europa League semi-final. And he had um, a good squad and he'd got, you know, he'd got them playing well. And he wasn't dismissed for football reasons. He was basically dismissed because he asked for more money and the owners didn't want to give it to him because they were on the brink of Champions League because at that time there were only three Champions League places. So Sousa comes in and he, you know, um, Kalinic and Ilicic for that first six months were on fire. Um, and it just all started to click for Sousa, but it soon became clear um, if you were watching every week that he changed his tactics and his team selection every single week. And there was no coherent idea whatsoever of um, his approach of what he was doing. He, he was clueless. And for a team like Roma, who are already struggling with those kind of issues with Di Francesco, Bringing in Paolo Souza was literally the worst person imaginable to to replace him. He, you know, and not only that, but he is um, he uh, revealed himself to be a very awkward and very obnoxious character. Which you know he'd fallen out with some owners in England in the past, and um, you know he he's sort of he's had various issues before and he seems to be this very nice very charismatic smiling character um and then um you know i i another sort of press conference story um there was this guy that was asking about the crossing um you know you know what italian reporters are like they 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 want an answer to their particular question and they will keep asking it until they get an answer so they're, they're asking him about crossing and he's waffling and he's saying, yes, well, this team is growing and blah, 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 blah. And he's all nice and he's all smiles with this guy. And then when the press conference finishes, um, he pulls this guy to one side in the corridor and lends into him completely. So he's perfectly nice to him in front of everyone else. And then he's awful to him afterwards. And you know, this is the kind of character that Paolo Souza is. He's divisive. Um, and he, um, when in the last six months of his tenure, um, Saponara and Sportiello were brought in by Corvina, which, you know, they were fantastic signings. And because uh, Souza knew that they weren't going to renew his contract at the end of the time, he just refused to play them. And he just, he just carried on. So, you know, just 
just a, an absolute warning that Roma must stay clear of him if you know if at all possible. I mean, if I mean, talk about awkward. I mean, it's more awkward. Uh, I think I think we're maybe not more awkward, but probably the same level of awkwardness that it is at a Wanda Nara Icardi Maxi Lopez birthday party <laughs> children. When when you have those three all, you know, wishing little Valu a happy birthday, um, you could cut the tension with a knife. I mean, and and the fact, I mean, it's such a disrespectful thing to do, it's isn't terrible. it, Paulo Sosa too? To to even, you know, if it's you know you're saying it's confirmed that like he's going to sit in the stands, and and put that extra. I mean, that is just so low. I think that is so low. Yeah. So maybe both of you can make me feel better. Do they get it done <laughs> on Wednesday? Because yeah, I think so. I feel like there's there's two sides of the pendulum here, and one of them, um, it's it changes the mood dramatically. We're much happier. Whereas the other side of the pendulum, um, the car, which was already in an accident, the bridge that the car is sitting on collapses and just goes tumbling down a mountainside because it's an absolute. <laughs> Nightmare. Paulo Souza comes to save them all. <laughs> yeah, no, Paulo Souza does not come to save anything. No. I, I think he would be, he would be like trying to put out a fire with a tank of gasoline. I mean, it's just it, it would it wouldn't work. And he's hardly the 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 calm, cool, collected head that could walk in there. And Ranieri is that yeah. guy. I think Montella even. I think Montella even would be a good shout to just bring the ship home. I mean, he's been there. He's, I mean, he's, 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 he had the fantastic tenure there as a player. He was also decent uh, when he started his career there. I think it would be a good kind of launching pad for him um, as well uh, to, to kind of just bring the ship home uh, yeah, at Roma. Uh, I think anyone, but, but you know, if you bring in Paolo Sosa, I mean, you'd be missing the days of Zeman when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to hem- hemorrhaging goals. I mean, it will just be on. Unwa- I mean. Then, then we'd really be then. Then I then you'd really be on. This would no longer be a podcast. This would be a therapy session for you, John, every week because you're from preventing you from killing yourself, committing ritual suicide. <laughs> well, um, I mean, I could always use therapy, but when you're a Roma supporter, um, you know, generally, you know, they use football to make you feel better about yourself. The beautiful oh, no. game. I mean, I mean lately. Um, I mean, it's felt more like a chore watching this drama. So hopefully, uh, welcome to the past know. decade of being an Inter fan. I think that's horrible. I think that's horrible when you have um, a coach that makes you lose enjoyment of watching your team. I mean, that that to be honest, that's what Souza did at Fiorentina for me. I just, you know, I just used to think, oh god, not, Matsari. not another Matsari game. Did that yeah, to me. and it's yeah. such a shame because you know you want to look forward to the matches and you want to be excited about it, but. You know, there's some yeah. some coaches. It was, angst. it was angst, exactly like you say. It was it was angst every week when 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 Mazzari was coach uh, of Inter. Every week was like, oh god, not again, not ninety minutes of this miserable guy going there, grumping, blaming everything, barking, biting bottles, playing this anti-football, and then in the press conference where he blames the rain, the sun, the moon, mm-hmm. the diarrhea, everyone except himself. Now, it, it, it really is a horrible place to be, and and. And for me, Mazzari really sucked the joy out, out of out of watching Inter. I've never really felt that depressed as a fan ever uh, than, than I did during Mazzari. Incidentally, he's doing but, very well at Torino, though. 
I was, I was just going to say that. Um, again, another coach that does well, maybe not at one of the traditional big clubs, but at a club uh, that is just below, you know, just below the top three, yeah. uh, if you will. Uh, did well, did well at Sampdoria, did well at Napoli, did really well at Napoli, still very loved at Napoli, has done an excellent job at, at Torino. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think, you know, we, we, it's, it's these characters are, uh, you know, he, he works in, um, in, in, in the Serie A. He was, at, it was, it was a complete circus when he was at Watford, just, just listening to him speak English. surreal experience, yeah. to say the least. Yeah, and I mean, there are people who actually want Roma, Roma supporters, who who want Roma to lose because it would mean Di Francesco would go. I mean, that's the point we're at. That's insane. It's, that's insane. I think it's insane as well. Um, but he really has driven people to the brink where it's hard to imagine that this guy, I mean, if you would have just rewound to a year ago, uh, I mean, he was on the brink of taking this team to the Champions League semifinals for the first time since the 80s. And it's just astonishing how much can actually change in football, how you view somebody in, in a year. And it's it's just crazy how, how much has happened to the point where he's gone from hero to zero um, in just a short amount of time. So if you, John, if you had to, um, if the, the entire blame for Roma's situation is a hundred percent, how much would you hand out to Monchi and how much would you hand out to Di Francesco? Um, I would make it 60, 40 to Di Francesco because I think this team is good enough for top four. They just have a manager who, I mean, Listen, uh, you could buy you, – you could take the players on Sampdoria and with a good manager, they're beating the teams of Chievo, Spal, Udinese. Um, yeah. Th- this Roma cannot. They can uh, – if you look at who they've dropped points to this year, it is so clearly evident that it's a man management team. He said after the match against Lazio, he said we didn't have the right motivation. I'm sitting there. I, I, my, my jaw. That's literally my job. My, 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 my jaw <laughs> yeah. dropped to the floor. I, I mean, I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm, I'm saying you actually. Hold on now. Wait a minute. You actually said that it's a derby against Lazio, <laughs> and you said we didn't have the right motivation. How is that even possible? So stupid. It's unbelievably stupid. Um, and it just goes to show that he was, he was never the right coach. For for Roma, he, you know, as a player, he he could handle it, but as a coach, he's just not good enough, and uh, and I don't think we'll we'll ever see him at a big club again after Roma because it's been such a it's been such a pain watching him at Roma, and he looks in pain, um, and and everyone everything around Roma, everyone looks in pain. It's just agony. So I I do kind of have an understanding for why they just want to lose to get rid of him because to get that new energy. Because Roma right now, it's like it's like a funeral. They have the they have yeah. the they have the cheer of a it's the cheer of a boneyard, pretty much. Looking at mm. Roma right now. Yeah, and frankly, I think Ranieri, if he were to arrive, would absolutely bring the the festive atmosphere mm. that has not been absolutely. there for the longest time. I mean, people. I mean. He didn't leave under the best circumstances. They were doing really poor when he was sacked. Obviously, the season before, I mean, Nima, as you could well attest, I mean, they were just that close from winning the Scudetto. They were, I mean, all they had to do was grab it, and they completely got it wrong against Sampdoria. But um, I, th- I think he'd really be the jolt in the arm that they need. But 
Chloe, I will be firmly watching Fiorentina this weekend because they face Lazio. They face mm. them in Tuscany. And if you are a Roma supporter, you are absolutely unequivocally 1,000% watching this match with a keen eye because Roma don't play until Monday. Fiorentina-Lazio is the big match on Sunday, the late one that everybody in Europe tends to watch. So hopefully they don't get it wrong. But do you think Fiorentina can pull it out? Because, again, against Atalanta, they they weren't great, but – you don't know what you're getting with this Fiorentina. You don't, you don't, you don't know. If it just clicks into place, you know, um, like it did in that unmentionable match from the Coppa Italia. Um, yes, it, <laughs> no more. Um, you know, if it clicks into place, they, they can be just brilliant. And, you know, with Luis Muriel and uh, Chiesa, you know, they, they can pull things out of nothing. So, um, but... I hate to kind of put a dampener on it, but we Fiorentina have a really bad record against Lazio. Um, but who, who knows? I, I'm hoping we can do you a favour, but it, it will be a tough game. I, um, I think I went to uh, Fiorentina-Lazio last season. I think it ended 4-3 to Lazio or something. It was a crazy, another crazy game. But um, yeah, we, we don't seem to do well against them for some reason. Mm. And then Milan are at Chievo, uh, Nima Inter are hosting Spal. That is, what What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. They have to win. There's no, they, they have to win. I mean, let's be, this is Spal at home. Uh, you know, it's it's Eintracht Frankfurt uh, on Thursday in the Europa League away. Um, and then it's Spal and then Eintracht at home and then the Derby. <laughs> so, this, these four weeks, um, I don't want to go too far ahead, but if Inter are out of the top four, I think Spalletti will be axed. Um, I think I think there's that real, real chance because uh, he's uh, he needs to sort it out. The players, again, need to rally around him uh, to, to deliver at least four points in the Serie A. A draw against Milan uh, is acceptable. A win against Spal is, is, is minimum. And then, you know, if, if they get past Eintracht Frankfurt, that's, that, that gives them that morale boost because then they're in the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Um, and that's, that, that's about what you could expect, uh, given that I think Napoli and Chelsea and Arsenal are, are the favourites to win that, in my opinion. Yeah, and then we also have uh, Juve, Udinese, Sassuolo, Napoli, Sampdoria, Atalanta, which should be a good one. Um, that's going to be an awesome game. That is the game I'm looking yeah. forward to. Uh, it's going to be so cool. I mean, there's so many sub-stories to that as well. Quagliarella, you know, shared top goal scorer in the Serie A. You have Gasperini, who used to coach Genoa, playing, you know. There's a lot going on there. And, and, it's, and it's two very different football philosophies that play each other. I mean, you have the classic 4-3-1-2 of Giampaolo against the 3-4-3 of Gasperini. Uh, the, wings, the wings will be decisive um, in that game. It's going mm. to be end-to-end stuff, that game. Very true. And then Roma have Empoli. Real quickly, the we, we haven't discussed it, but we'll end it on this. So the relegation battle, we were mm. all hoping Bologna would avoid the drop. Yeah. But it is becoming very, very more apparent that they... That... Listen, Chievo are at 10 points, Frosinone at 17, Bologna at 18, Empoli 22, Spal yeah. 23. So... I ha- I would hate to see one of those just I mean you think of Serie A and Bologna is always one of those teams just such a, 
Everything about that club I love. It would pain me to see them make the me drops. Me too. Me too. And especially with this new stadium they got going, they have a decent owner. Um, I think, you know, they just, they need to find the right sporting directorship uh, to, to, like they did with Corvino and let that guy roll, roll with it. Because appointing people in Zaghi was just a silly, silly mistake. And then they brought in Miha, who, you know, the, there are two things that work in mysterious ways. One is God <laughs> and the other is Sinisa Mihailovic. You never know what you're going to get, <laughs> you know. So, so that it is not, you know, it's like, it's like living with a gunpowder keg, you know. You never know what's going to happen with him. Uh, you, you say Paulo Sosa lacks clarity and, and consistency. Miha is Miha, you know, he's full on Miha. So anything can happen there. But but I, I would so love it if Bologna... Uh, would stay up uh, Empoli but you got to give it to Empoli too I saw that game against Parma and they just don't give up I mean Caputo is this I mean when you talk about the classic Serie A striker I mean for me Caputo is the Dario Hubner of the old you know of the past this kind of striker that plays for the lower league teams but always gets his 10 15 20 goals every season you know um, the jo- the Jonathan Spinesi, the Dario Hubner, you know that kind of striker, and and he scores again, and and this team they just do not give up Empoli, and they got a point against Parma when they probably shouldn't have, um, and and that's why they're at 22 and 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 Bologna at 24 at 18, and I think this is this this weekend is really last chance saloon uh for for Bologna although there are quite a lot of games to play but they really have need a win because four points is quite a lot to take in with only 10 games 10 11 games left to play we will leave it there there's a, a busy week of football again we we have Roma in the Champions League we have some pretty good matches at the weekend so we will be na- uh, we will be back next week to discuss all of that so thank you everyone for listening if you could continue to rate subscribe all that good stuff on the various platforms we would really really appreciate it so we will leave it there and until next time ciao